Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me uh, to the book of, book of Psalms. Uh, actually, before I do that, is Lale here? Where's Lale? Oh, Lale's over there. Awesome. Good to see you, mate. Uh, I just um, I just heard the Holy Spirit say that um, he's opening up a, a stream of resource and income for you. Just something coming you can't see yet, and it's on the way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for that. For Lale and Sam, I thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Praise God. Uh, Psalm uh, 122. Actually, uh, Linda Gorman, uh, good to see you. And uh, I just, I had a photo, of, photo, a picture of you in my mind uh, that you're reading your Bible. And I saw that God gave you a magnifying glass and things are just leaping off the page. Like, you know your word, you've spent a lot of time in it, but there's things just, there's going to be an even a greater level of excitement. There's things that God's going to speak to you from God's word like never before. It's like a magnet, things you did not see before, uh, you're going to start seeing. Spirit of revelation is coming upon you. Uh, I heard him say, Father, I thank you for that and praise you for it, Lord. Uh, in Jesus' name, uh, amen. Uh, Psalm 122. Psalm 122 says this. Uh, the joy of going to the house of the Lord. A song of ascents of David. Verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace, within you in your, peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The title of my message today is called Taking It to the House. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask and pray uh, that you help us to carry your values. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, most of you would know that we've been doing a series for a few months uh, called Song of Ascents. And basically, we've been focusing on Psalms 120 to 134. Uh, each year, uh, we take a few months to focus on one of the books of the Bible. Uh, but this year, I didn't feel to focus on an entire book, just fo wanted to focus on these particular psalms. Uh, they're called Song of Ascents because basically they were songs sung by the Israelites on the way to Jerusalem for the feast three times a year. So three times a year, they would go to Jerusalem and that they would go gather for the feast. And it was called Song of Ascents because they would sing on the way and on the way up, they would actually have to walk uphill to Jerusalem. That's why it's called Song of Ascent. So no matter what had happened in the past few months, they were all going to gather together and they're all going to rise together to worship the Lord uh, in Jerusalem, uh, which was awesome. Uh, at the start of this year, uh, we felt the word for our church this year uh, was going to be on the rise. And so basically we felt that every area of our church 
was going to rise uh, to a whole new level. And, uh, and thank God, uh, that's exactly what's been happening and we give God uh, all the glory. And so the focus this year was on Psalms 120 to 134. Uh, we've nearly finished. Most of you would know we haven't been doing it in numerical order. We've jumped around a little bit. And today I want to jump back to Psalm 122. And this was one of the Psalms that was written by David. And he is talking about the house of the Lord uh, in Jerusalem. David had an incredible heart for Jerusalem. Uh, you may not realize that for the first, so David was the second king of Israel. For the first seven years of his kingship, he wasn't in Jerusalem. His throne was based at Hebron. But eventually, he established his throne in Jerusalem. The Israelites had not been in Jerusalem uh, for all that time before. Other people groups had actually inhabited Jerusalem. The Jebusites were the people that the Israelites took over. But David had such an incredible passion uh, for Jerusalem. I think maybe it's because uh, Hebron he inherited, but Jerusalem he was able to establish the way that he wanted it to be. But basically, eventually, he established his throne in Jerusalem and he also established in Jerusalem the house of God. What that meant was that they would get the tabernacle uh, and the tabernacle was when the Israelites were in the wilderness. The tabernacle was the tent of meeting, the place that they would go to to meet with God. He established it in the middle of Jerusalem. And so we pick up the story and he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. He's talking about the house of the Lord. He's talking about meeting in the tabernacle uh, in, in Jerusalem at that time. It would not be inappropriate for us to use the, uh, use the things that he teaches and says in there to describe the modern church. Uh, the church age actually started after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Uh, some people get a bit funny about the church because Jesus doesn't talk a lot about the church. Jesus primarily talks about the kingdom. Uh, but if you want to describe the difference between the kingdom and the church, uh, the, kingdom was the kingdom is basically culture, uh, the God's way of doing things. But the church age began after the day of Pentecost, and that was establishing uh, the organism and the organization for which God had moving forward. Jesus only talked about the church twice, but it was very positive. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But after Acts chapter 2, the church is actually mentioned 120 times. So make no mistake, the church is part of God's plan for the planet. The church is part of God's plan for every single one of us to fulfill the potential that God has for every single one of our lives. And so he here is talking about the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And so in some ways, he's describing what it should be like. And so today I want to talk to you about what the house of God is described as is in, in here, uh, what the house of God should be like. And so if you want to think about it, if you're taking notes, you can write down the house of God is, uh, the house of God is a place of. And then I'll talk about seven things from this passage of Scripture that he describes what the house of God should be like or what we would say today, what the church should be like. The first thing about the house of God is this. It says in Psalm 122 verse 1, David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The first thing about the house of God is it should be a place of great joy. It should be a place of great celebration. The Bible tells us in Psalm 16 verse 11 that in God's presence is fullness of joy. 
religiosity tries to dull that down. Religiosity tries to make things too somber and too serious. But make no mistake, the house of God should be a place of great joy and great celebration because in God's presence is fullness of joy. The most joy we can have is actually in uh, the presence of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 6 to 18, it says, 16 to 18, it says, Be joyful always, pray without ceasing, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So he's writing to those people and he's saying the will of God is that you be joyful always. And notice this, he's not writing to an individual. He's actually writing to a whole church. And he's saying, hey church, be joyful always. Pray without ceasing and all things give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's desire that the house of God be a place of great joy. That the house of God be a place of great celebration. Now you might be saying, well, how can I do that with everything going on in my life right now? If you knew the pressures and the struggles I'm under, how can I actually have joy? But I want to let you know that you, can, you don't have to have joy according to your circumstances. We can have joy in spite of our circumstances. In spite of what's going on in our world, we can still be filled with the joy that God actually has for us. That's why the house of God should be a place of joy and a place of celebration. You know, Walt Disney, he was wrong. He said Disneyland should be the happiest place on the planet. But I'm here to let you know that's wrong. The church of Jesus Christ should be the happiest place on the planet. And even before things happen, even before the first song, coming with a smile on our face, ready to be friendly to someone. Just like David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If you've had a terrible week, if you've had the world cave in on you, the best place you should be is in the house of God, that God could fill you with the joy that you need to be victorious. It's God's will that we be joyful. You can't, we can't live the Christian life without actually having joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. If we want to be the strong Christians God has called us to be, then we need to have a life of joy. And one of the best ways we can actually have that joy is by coming to the house of the Lord. The second thing he says is this, Psalm 122, wonderful, says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. The second thing about the house of God is that it's a place of gathering. It's a place of gathering. Church is a place where we actually gather together. Church is not an individual thing. You know, if I, if, if I say you're the church and if I say I'm the church, technically that's not actually correct because the church is never individual. The church is always a gathering. It's always corporate. It's more appropriate to say that we are the church. Without you, I cannot be the church. Gathering is an essential part of that church, that coming together. When the church was established in Acts chapter 2, there's a lot of descriptions about what the church looked like. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says this, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So watch this. They met in the temple, corporate gathering. And then they met house to house in small groups. 
That's kind of like how the structure of church should be. We come together corporately and then we actually meet from house to house. Come together on the Sunday and then can meet in small groups throughout the week. Come to the house of God where we come and we celebrate and come under a sanctioned gift ministry and teaching and then we can gather together house to house for the fellowship. It's really, really uh, important. Right now with everything going across uh, around the planet, Sometimes our ecclesiology, uh, some people's ecclesiology can get a little bit twisted. Ecclesiology is basically your theology around church. We know that there's been a number of times where we've been in lockdown and we haven't been able to gather together. And so we've provided an online church service and we still provide an online church service. There's people that can't come uh, for whether it be for sickness or for some other reason or they're away. Uh, there's people actually uh, around the world that actually watch our online service and that sort of thing. And, and so we continue to provide that on a regular basis. But make no mistake, watching online by yourself in your PJs in bed is not a, a substitute for actually coming together uh, with God's people. There's something powerful about coming together uh, as a church. So when we do lockdown, then yes, that that's important that we all watch that together. But we've made a commitment, and you would know this from day one, ever since last year, that is, whenever we can meet, we will meet. And the reason why I believe that is because there's grace on us for when we can't meet. But I believe that grace lifts for when we can meet. Um, people say to me all the time, they say, you know, all the church needs is small groups. You know, if you look at China, all they do is have small groups and they're exploding. It's like, well, yes, but it's illegal. It's illegal for them to actually gather together as a group. So, of course, there's going to be grace for them. But we're not in that situation. And so if there is times when we can't meet, then yes, the grace of God is upon us to sustain us. But make no mistake, when we do, when we can meet, we should. And that's a commitment that we've made. We did that um, just the, the recent lockdown. Obviously, there's a lockdown that was, uh, right now, the lockdowns are very swift and very sudden. And so we had a swift lockdown that happened on the Saturday uh, a few weeks ago. And so we couldn't have church on the Sunday. And so we went and we provided online service and that sort of thing. And people getting phone calls and meeting online and all that sort of thing. And then the following Sunday in the morning, they said the lockdown is going to lift today at 4 p.m. So people said to me, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, we have a 5 p.m. service, so we're going to meet. Now, there was the temptation. Oh, well, let's just leave it to next week. It was like, no, no, no. Our conviction at King's Church is this. If we can meet, we will. And that's a firm conviction of actually what we do. And why? Because the church is gathering. Just watching online is actually an incomplete experience. There's something powerful about coming to the house of God, worshiping with God's people, going out and talking to people and meeting people and that sort of thing. Can fill you with the strength that you need to continue on with the week. Church is actually a gathering. That's why I think it's really, really important because we don't know what's happening right now. There's snap lockdowns that could happen at any time. I think it'd be really awesome if all of us made the commitment that whenever we can go to church, we will. Sometimes in modern society, people say, oh, look, I go to church every two weeks and that sort of thing. But imagine this, if you've got a habit of going to church every two weeks, you're about to go this week, but then there's a lockdown. We're locked down for a couple of weeks and then that week you don't normally come. That could be four weeks without actually going and being part of God's people. That could be four weeks of not getting the strength you need to sustain you 
during that season. Why don't you make a commitment right now? The number one priority I'm going to have on Sunday is go to church. Because I don't know, there could be a lockdown. I may not be able to go again. I'm just going to make that commitment. I'm going to make sure I go to church. Awesome thing about our church is we have three services. It's pretty convenient. 8.30, 10.30, 5 o'clock, whatever you like. If you don't like the loud noise, just bring some earplugs Friday night, Sunday night, and that sort of thing. But you could come and make that commitment. Why? Because church is gathering. I was glad when they said to me, it wasn't like I said to myself, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And notice this, he says that's when the tribes go up, the small groups. Maybe you're not in a connect group. We have a number of connect groups in the life of our church. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had that pattern of living that I come together with the whole group on the Sunday and then during the week I have a group of people that can support me, that know me in a smaller group. If you're interested in one of those, feel free to go to the Hello Hub after the service. The third thing is this. See in Psalm 122 verse 4. Where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. To the testimony of Israel. That phrase, testimony of Israel, is talking about a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant was something that the Israelites used to carry around with them. Inside it was Aaron's rod, the rod that budded, and also fragments of the Ten Commandments. It was known as the place of the manifest presence of God. So whenever the, Israel, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they would travel around and they would take the tabernacle and they'd establish it in the centre of where they were staying, and right in the heart of the tabernacle, they would put the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence, manifest presence of God. And so David understood this and was super passionate about the Ark of the Covenant. When they established the tabernacle in Jerusalem, they still didn't have the Ark of the Covenant with them. The Philistines had it. And so eventually David was able to get the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines. And so he sent down there a cart with some cows on it. Uh, and, um, and so, sorry, the Philistines put it on a cart with cows and it came back and it started walking towards Jerusalem. It started walking towards the tabernacle, which is where God's presence should be. And so as it was going, it was, there was people around it walking beside it and then it started sliding off the cart. And then one man put his hand out to stop it and actually he got killed. And so then what happened was the cart was actually, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was left at someone else's house. Everything they did prospered. There was great blessing on that house. And eventually David, who'd been so upset that someone had died, he eventually organised for the Ark of the Covenant to come back. This time they carried it correctly. Uh, there's holes on the sides of the Ark of the Covenant and you've got, a long, you've got poles on each side. So it's supposed to be carried by men. So they put it and they carried it and they brought it back to Jerusalem, which as a side note shows to me that you can do some things successfully for a season, but if you do things the wrong way, eventually you're going to strike some trouble. We've got to do the right things the right way. So they, they did the right thing. They brought the other Ark of the Covenant Jerusalem. They did it the right way. They were carrying it on poles. David was so excited. He didn't wait for it to come to Jerusalem. He ran out to meet it, and he started dancing and jumping around. And the Bible says that he was only wearing his ephod. Now, linen ephod. Now, I don't know, I'm not sure if that's the equivalent of Speedos or anything like that, but I do know he was, reve no, he was revealing too much of himself 
to the point that his wife was pretty upset. I don't know if he had other clothes on and he got so excited that the other clothes just started flying off him and that sort of thing. I get real nervous when people come up to me and they say, Pastor Ben, I just want to dance like David danced. We don't want you to dance like David danced. We want you to keep your clothes on uh, and that sort of thing. And so, uh, and so, yeah, so he was so excited. He came back and was established back at Jerusalem in the tabernacle. And here he writes this psalm. He talks about, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, where the presence of God is. The house of God should be a place of the presence of God. It's the presence of God that differentiates us. It's the presence of God that can that where there can be miracles. That's why that last song that we sang is so prophetic. This is a house of miracles. Amazing thing has happened over the last few weeks of our church. We've been seeing miracles literally every week. Sunday night after hot August night, uh, last night of hot August nights, had a couple of words of knowledge for some people. Or some uh, felt God was going to heal some people and, and had someone get healed of an infection in their ear. Someone's wrist got healed and that sort of thing. It was awesome. Not only that, uh, we found out that there was a lady at our Logan Village campus who'd been diagnosed with cancer, showed us the actual scans of it and she was, li uh, she was riddled with cancer. Uh, I think it was in her lungs. And then she got prayed for, felt good, went back to get scanned and was completely healed. The scan was completely clear. She showed it at Logan Village the other week. And the original scan looked like her lungs looked like Wagyu beef, like with all these bits in it. And then afterwards, it looked completely clear. We serve a God of the miraculous. This is a house of miracles. Just on the weekend, we had hot August nights at St. George. How amazing that was. You know, we took over that church. They had seven people going. Friday night at hot August nights, they had 76. For a little country church, it's pretty good. 19 people gave their lives to Christ, which was awesome. And then Samuel Waters got healed in his back. Last night, we got another message from someone, a young lady who used to be part of our church here, who lives at St. George. Her name is Britt Bate. She was in a car accident a few years ago. Had a really, had a, Her back was in a lot of pain and was really injured. But last night, she testified. She put on Facebook. Those of you that are friends of her would see it. She got healed last night, completely miraculously at hot August nights. We serve a God of the miraculous. Where the presence of God is, miracles can happen. But that's why we need to come, just like David, to church, with an attitude of expectation, not spectating. We come with an attitude of, I was glad when they said to me, oh, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to come with expectation. Without expectation, the Spirit of God can't move. Even Jesus couldn't perform miracles in Nazareth because they did not have any expectation. They just thought, oh, well, I'll see what happens. But they didn't come with an attitude of expectation that something is going to happen. And I want to let you know that when we come to the house of God with expectation, believing that God can do something, you'll be amazed when you come to essentially, prophetically speaking, the testimony of Israel, the place of the presence of God. You'll be amazed at the things that God can do. Well, I'm amazed you don't sound like it. But anyway, you'll be amazed at the things that God can do, amen? It's a house of miracles, a place of the presence of God. The fourth thing is this. It says in Psalm 122, verse 4, it says, Where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. To give thanks. The house of God is to be a place of gratitude. A place of gratitude. The Bible tells us in Psalm 104, 100, verse 4, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts 
with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. It should be a place of gratitude, of thankfulness. You know, in modern society, we've really elevated complaining. So really every organisation has to have a complaints box uh, and that sort of thing and, you know, complain, complain, complain. And, and don't get me wrong, feedback is a good thing. You can't get better without feedback. But what we need to be careful of in a culture like that is that we don't breed a culture of entitlement. And what we need to do is actually have an attitude of gratitude. Uh, people are talking about the end times right now and, 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 and you never know, it could be. Uh, and people talk about the signs of the end times. But the Apostle Paul actually tells us what one of the signs of the end times is. He tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 2, he says, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Did you see that? <laughs> he said one of the signs of the end times is that people are, unthankful. I didn't even know that that was a sin. But he's actually saying being unthankful is actually countercultural to the kingdom of God. It actually repels the presence of God. You know, the Bible tells us that in the book of Exodus that when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God had had enough of them. And he had enough of their complaining. And he said to them, and he said to Moses, he said, Moses, I've had enough of these people. It's in Exodus 32. He said, I'm going to go, I'm going to let you go into the promised land. I'll give you a victory. I'm not coming. I'm staying here out in the wilderness. My presence won't go with you. And then Moses said, well, if you don't come with us, we're staying as well. Because what differentiates us from all the other people, groups on the face of the earth, lest your presence go with us. So watch this. Presence is predicated on gratefulness. Anointing is predicated on gratitude. That is why one of the great disciplines of the Christian life, and it's hard in our society where we're encouraged to focus on what we don't have, to greed after what we don't have. That's what this society is. But kingdom is this. Yes, I've got desires. Yes, I've got goals and aspirations. God gives me dreams and visions, but I'm not going to forget the things that God is doing. I'm going to put my focus on what he is doing. Have that attitude of gratitude. When was the last time you counted your blessings? When was the last time you said, you know what, Lord, I just want to thank you for this and for this and for this. Why? Because gratitude is one of the things as part of the house of God. That is why it's good if you've got a problem, if things aren't going well, yes, I'm going to come back to church, I'm going to go to church, I've got to get things right. That's fantastic. But you know what? When things are cleaned up, when everything is fantastic and there's nothing wrong, then that's a still even better time to come to the house of God because I'm just coming to give God thanks. I'm coming to give him praise for all the things that he is doing in my life. Church is not a crutch where I just go and I've got an issue, then when I'm fixed, I go and do my own thing. No, no, no. I will still be in the house of the Lord forever, just like David says in Psalm 23, and I'm going to come. Even when everything's great, everything's perfect, all the bills are fixed, all the, pair, all the kids are going great, the marriage is going awesome, got the house of my dreams, I'm still going to come to the house of the Lord because I'm going to come and give him thanks for everything that he's been doing in my life. Amen? It's a place of gratitude. The fifth thing about the house of God, he says in Psalm 122 verse 5, for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. 
So David's basically saying, he's talking about Jerusalem there, and he says, my throne's there. That's what he's saying. My family's throne's there. So he's basically saying, you're going to be all right now. He's talking about godly leadership. The fifth thing about the house of God, it's a place of God-ordained leadership. The interesting thing about the church is, as I told you before, and, and this is a little bit of ecclesiology again, uh, the church is basically organisationally structured in the scripture. Um, so yes, there's kingdom culture, but there's also organisation. And Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says this, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So watch this, he's talking about the house of God, he's talking about the church. And he's saying that Christ is the cornerstone. So the cornerstone is the most important part of the building. And he is saying Christ is the cornerstone. You know, Jesus said to Peter, he said to Peter, who do men say that I am? And, and then he says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He says, and then he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's one of the first times Jesus talked about the church. And notice this, he said, on this rock. Some, some people have thought in past that the rock was Peter himself. But actually, that's not what the rock is. He's saying, on this rock. What's the rock? The revelation of Jesus Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the That's the cornerstone. That's what makes a church a church. If you have strong leadership but no Christ, that's not a church. It's called a cult. So, uh, and so Christ is the cornerstone. But watch this. Then he says the foundation, really, really important, is the apostles and prophets. He starts talking about ascension gift ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, whose job was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He's talking about God-ordained leadership. So that's essentially the cornerstone of the church. So if there's no ascension gift, if there's a Christian gathering, it's still not a church. Going to the beach, having Christian fellowship with your friends is awesome, really, really important for encouragement, but that's not actually the church. You know, I was at, um, I was talking to a friend of mine once and he got offended at a ch the church he was in and upset and so he decided he's not going to church anymore and I was talking to him, I said, mate, what church do you go to? He said, I, I don't go to church. He goes, I don't believe in organised religion. I remember thinking to myself, I'd hate to go to a disorganised one. But, and uh, I said, uh, well, what do you do for church? He goes, oh, we do, a church, we do church at home. So, so we get up on Sunday and uh, someone shares from the devotion. Uh, we pray with each other. We sing a worship song. We take communion together. He says, me and my wife and kids. He said, that's how we do church. That's our church. And I said, bro, that ain't church. That's breakfast. <laughs> Amen. Now, now, it's a great habit. Every parent should listen to that. But that's not church. Because it's not the presence of essential gift ministries. Your devotions is important. Hearing from the Lord privately is very, very important. But that's not church. Church is where we gather together and there's a presence of Ascension Gift Ministry. Does that make sense? Imagine having that lifestyle. I'll do my daily devotions, spend time with the Lord every day, and then I'm part of a small group 
with people that can know me, that get to know me, that pray for me and that sort of thing. And then on Sunday, we all to get together as a tribe and we come together to the house of the Lord. That's an incredibly balanced approach. And make no mistake, the house of God is a place where there's God-ordained leadership. The sixth thing is this. He says in verse 6 to 8, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace within you. So notice this, he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but he's not praying for external factors. He's praying for peace three times, peace within you. The sixth thing about the house of God should be a place of glorious peace, a place of glorious peace. He is praying more for internal peace there than actually external peace. He is saying that wherever the house of God is, that should be a place of peace for people. It should be a place where there's friendliness, where there's welcoming, where people know each other, where people have other people on their side. It's a place of peace. Now, that is not normal for humans to have. Because as humans, it's easy for us to get offended at each other. That's why I say sometimes church is like sandpaper ministry, where literally you rub up against other people you come to church and it's not necessarily always people that you would naturally gravitate to in life. But one of the things I've noticed in the Bible is God doesn't care too much about that sort of thing. Look at how Jesus formed his disciples. Jesus called 12 disciples and he got guys on there who would not naturally get along. I mean, he had Simon the Zealot who wanted to see Israel free from taxes and he had Matthew the tax collector in the same leadership team. And the zealot wanted to kill the tax collector. That's what would normally happen. I can imagine Matthew joining Jesus' team and saying, oh, this ain't going to work. He's got one of those guys. I could see them at leadership meetings with Jesus, sitting at Jesus' feet. Matthew making sure he's at least four people away from Simon. In the middle of Jesus' teaching, Simon's looking at him. kind of get you and he'd be like freaking out because Simon is he knows Simon the zealot normally they would be mortal enemies but Jesus said I'm going to have you and you come together under me that's why I don't believe in churches of one nationality I don't believe in churches of one age group why because God gets all of us together like a family all the but what that means is this if we're going to have peace We've got to be really good at peacemaking. You don't have peace without making peace. Peace is not like I just rock up and it's this perfect utopia. If you find a church where it's completely peaceful, can I say to you, please don't go there. You'll ruin it. Especially you, Pastor Rob. Why? Because it doesn't exist. Imperfect people. Loving a perfect God putting us together with other people of different personality types from us, some different ways of thinking, and we rub up against each other. In the early church, the early church wasn't perfect. They would get offended at each other all the time. But then that wasn't an opportunity for the apostles to say, okay, this group's offended. Let's send them out and plant a church so they don't have to worry about the other guys. He said, no, no, no. 
he would talk about making peace. He would say to them, uh, and you know, this was Jesus actually said this in the book of Matthew. He said, if you have an issue with your brother, go to your brother. Make it right with them. Peace is not normal. Peace has to be made. And we need to be peacemakers. Because Jesus says in Matthew 5, 5, blessed, Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Maybe you're here and you're offended with someone here. Can I tell you, running away won't solve it. The best way to overcome that offence is actually trying to make right with your brother and sister, to try and deal with it. Because God's desire is that the house of God be a place of peace. There's nothing external that can affect the house of God. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The only things that will affect the house of God are things that are internal. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3, 25, if a house, divide, a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And that's why it's important for us to be peacemakers. Because if we're going to be a house of peace, we need to make peace with one another. And the last thing he says is this. It says in Psalm 122, verse 9, Because of the house of the Lord our God, I, David, will seek your peace. I, David, will seek your, the city's peace. Because of the house of God, because God has touched my heart so much, I'm not just focused on myself. I will seek your good. I, David, will seek your good. The seventh thing about the house of God, it's a place of generosity. A place of generosity. God's desire is that you be so blessed, so grateful, that you be a blessing, that we would be a blessing to others. Genesis 12, 1 to 3 says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family to your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is where we get this phrase, blessed to be a blessing. God says, I will bless you and then you will be a blessing. Because of the goodness of God in our lives, it only naturally works out that we want to be a blessing to others. You know, I think I'm, I'm sounding like an old man here, but I'm a bit nervous about how society has changed the narrative of Christianity. That somehow Christianity has been a bad thing for our society. When the reality is most societies that are really good were founded upon Christianity. Were founded upon Christian If you look at our nation, most of the community groups were actually founded from Christian groups. It wasn't secular, athe it wasn't secular humanism that created anything. Societies like that don't end up doing too well. But ones that were built on Christian values tend to be better for others. I was watching an interview recently with a guy who's a very well-known media commentator in Australia, and he's fighting vigorously for Christian freedoms. So for religious freedom, but he really wants Christian freedoms to be at the forefront. And I saw him get interviewed by a friend of mine who's a pastor. And my pastor friend said to him, he said, so you're not a Christian? And the commentator said, no, I'm not. Um, but you're fighting for Christian freedoms. You want, you want Christian freedoms protected. He said, that's right. He said, why is that? And he said, and the commentator said, well, all I know is this. Every country I've seen 
that has been founded on Christian values is a better society. He says, our country of Australia, we call it the lucky country. But the reason why is because it was founded on Christian principles. It's those principles that have caused us to be what we are. We call some values Australian values, but they weren't actually Australian values. They are Christian values that have become a part of our, of our society. And he said, so even though I'm not a Christian and I don't believe in God, he said, I just want oh, the country I like is based on Christian values. And he said, I want to fight for those values. He understood something that David was actually quoting here in Psalm 122 verse 9. Because of the house of the Lord, I will seek your good. As believers, we experience him and then we are salt and light in the community, transforming and changing lives. I was so blessed the other day, Pimpermar started their first hamper drive on the Saturday. People from the community coming to receive food hampers. When we started St. George, we actually, I didn't think we'd be able to start a, a, start a community care arm there for many years. And Nathan and Kirsty, the campus pastors, they said to me, oh, could we do community care out here? I said, look, why don't you talk to Shirley? Why don't you talk to Rob? Whatever they say goes and, you know, we'll see what happens. Next thing I know they were doing, before the doors of the church opened, they actually started doing it. They had a hamper drive, had 50 hampers there for people in the community. They showed me a photo of the morning. People were lining up outside the doors of the church to come and get a hamper. And they were saying there was nothing like this in St. George. There's nothing like this. But you know why there's something like it now? Because of the house of the Lord. We will seek your good. Just like our community care home here at Reedy Creek. Because of the house of the Lord, I will seek your good. The house of God is to be a place of radical generosity. And it's because of your generosity, church, that we've been able to do things like that. Because you've let the Lord touch your heart. You've experienced His goodness. And because of that, it's manifested and welled up in rich generosity. And that's how the house of the Lord should be. Amen? That is the God that we serve. The house of God, the place of generosity. And so what I want to do right now is this. I want to pray for you and uh, I want to pray over you. I'm sorry I preached a little bit longer than I normally do. A bit long-winded today, I apologise. But uh, I just want to pray. And I feel like for this particular, for our Reedy Creek campus, I've, I've never had such a strong incitement in my spirit as I have in the last period of time. And it's because I believe of what God's about to do in the life of our church here at Reedy Creek. Uh, this year we've been on the rise. And so literally every area of our church has gone to another level. And Reedy Creek has as well. But I know, I just have a sense of excitement in my spirit that God is going to do something even greater and more quickly here in the life of Reedy Creek. That this is going to be a lighthouse to this region, uh, even brighter than it had been back in the day. That this is going to be a place where the community will come. This is going to be a place that is going to rise like never before. And people are going to give glory to God because of our presence in this place. I see that God is about to do great things. If I declare and prophesy, 2022. Without a doubt, the best is yet to come. And everything God has done so far has been wonderful. Everything God has done so far has been historical. But I want to prophesy and declare over you, Reedy Creek, that the best is yet to come. And we're going to go to a whole new level like never before. Because we have a bunch of people in our church that every Sunday they decide and they say to themselves, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen.
And if you agree with me, why don't you stand to your feet and I want to pray over you this morning. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare over this house, Lord God, I thank you, Lord, the house of the Lord, that it will be a place of great joy. We will be a place of gathering, Lord God, that we will be a place of your presence and miracles, Lord God, a great place of generosity and thanksgiving, Lord God, raising up generation after generation of godly leaders, Lord God, that it would be said about this house that it would be like that. I thank you for all that's happened in the past, but Lord, I know it's simply a launching pad to what is to come. You're an awesome God, and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.